you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, good morning. My name is Thomas. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 6, 10 through 24 this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Two hundred sixty-five kilograms, five hundred eighty-three pounds. The record now is two sixty-four. To break it again, for a fifth time. Talakate cleans it. Can he jerk it for another record? Oh yes! Russia Talakate, legendary gold. New world records. He has done it again. Six for six. It's up here. Oh, I don't know if you caught that uh, in the Olympics, but that's a strong man. If you're taking notes today, you can start with that. Lasha Talakaze uh, from the country of Georgia. And I need to tell you about a message that I received growing up about what makes me strong, about how I could be strong. And it has to do with something that you can put inside of your body. And so I don't know if anybody else, all the 80s babies in the house today, we kind of grew up in a time when we heard milk makes you strong. If you want a strong body, you want strong bones, milk does a body Good. Yes, you are so discipled well. So we have all these people, right, who would talk to us about that. So we have Brett Favre and Oscar De La Hoya, 
we have the voice of Simba, number three. I don't know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I don't want to make anybody blush in the house today, but, you know, it's all that. Um, John Elway, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Actually, the, the reason my hair looks the way that it does is because of Freddie Prince Jr. I'm not going to make you make the resemblance, but there was a movie called She's All That, and after that movie, I started doing my hair like that. That's another, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Taylor Swift, Beckham, all that. But it's this question today, like, what makes us strong? Like, Paul says at the very end of this letter, and we've walked through this whole letter verse by verse. Sorry, this is going to be distracting. I'll get rid of it. We've walked through all of these sentences and paragraphs written by Paul to this church that's trying to figure out, like, what does it actually mean to live the way of Jesus? Like, what does it actually mean for his way to become our way? And we started this way back in September. This is week 11. And we just finished this book that he has written to this church in this first century. But it's not just for them. The, the letter was to be passed around. And so all these little churches who were springing up, and it also finds its way into our lives today, you know, so he says in verse 10, finally, and some of you are like, yeah, finally is right. After all of this, after we've talked about all of these kinds of things, finally, in light of everything that I've said, like be strong, be strong in the Lord and in his what? In his mighty power. And in the scriptures, when we're talking about power, when we're talking about mighty power, what are we talking about? We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about Jesus giving his life on the cross and being placed in a tomb for three days. And his disciples are angry, they're sad, they're bewildered, they're anxious. And so they go and hide. And then on the third day, he's raised to life again. And the power that he displayed is the power that he gives. So that's what I find so beautiful about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just show off his power, doesn't just show off his grace, doesn't show off his care over the world, but he gives that away. He gives his power, he gives his grace, he gives his care. So Paul says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power, stand in his resurrection power. And I just want to tell the church today, you are stronger than you think you are. I think you could look at your calendar and you could look back at some really hard things that you've walked through in your life. Some really difficult seasons. Some really confusing times. And Paul knows that is part of life. And if you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to need to finally be strong in the Lord, and in his resurrection power. Because that resurrection power isn't just for our last day. When we are placed into a coffin and we are put in the ground, and we await a physical resurrection, where we're reunited with Christ in his coming kingdom. The resurrection power is for right now. The resurrection power is for this afternoon. The resurrection power is when we go to work tomorrow. The resurrection power is, I don't know, there's a little event that's happening this week. 
It's not happening on Thursday, and some of us might need some resurrection power in the house. That's what it's for. So Paul says, in light of everything that you've heard me talk about, be strong in the Lord and in that mighty power. And then verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to what? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because there's nothing worse in life than being in a battle and you don't realize. I'm going to see if I can get Brock. Oh, Oh, I, I totally missed. I got Nikki instead. But there's nothing worse, right? Coming home and there's a Nerf gun war happening in your house and you weren't prepared for it. Like stepping into a battle and you weren't ready. Like you show up at work and everybody's on edge already. Like that's minute one. That started minute one. Like waking up in the morning and you're already receiving the darts from the evil one. And I'll tell you, the evil one gives more ferocious darts than I just did. If you've noticed that in life. It didn't work out that way during the practice, I promise. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Like you, we need to know the struggle that we're in. Like we're in a battle, we're in a fight. But we also need to know the weapons that are at our disposal. Like we're not defenseless. Like we're resurrection power people. We have been given that by God. And it's bad news if we leave the resurrection power on the table and we don't ever use it. We need to stand in it so that we might use it when we wake up tomorrow, when we leave this place today to live and move and breathe in that power. And without the weapons, can I just tell you, like, we're not going to be ready for the struggle. Like, without the armor of God, I'm just not ready for the struggle. I'm going to need to put it on. I'm going to need to take it up. I'm going to need to use it. You know, Satan really has three moves. I don't know, like, when you hit the dance floor, how many moves you have. I'll tell you, I'm doing a wedding in a couple weeks, and... There's going to be a dance floor there, and I've got, I'm not going to do them for you. I know you want me to right now, but I'm not going to cave to your tempting eyes. I have three major moves. Most of us do, and we kind of just like stick within those moves. It's just kind of like how we are. And the evil one also has three moves, and I want to talk about them with you today. He'll accuse, number one. Like in the scriptures, he's even called the accuser. It's what he does. And it's who he is. He spent a lifetime accusing people. And he tempts. And he inflicts. So what's accusation sound like? Accusation sounds like this. Like, look at yourself. Like, how could you? Like, what were you thinking? Like, you show up and you sing those songs and, like, you have a Bible in your house, but, like, look at your life. Like, it's a mess. First step is accusation. And I just wonder, like, how many of us today have received that from the evil one? Like, don't even bother going to church. Like, based on the weekend, don't even. Let's try again. 
That's his first step, his accusation. I'm going to try to get Brock again. Oh my gosh, you guys. This isn't funny. I'm going to be done now. Number two, temptation. What's temptation sound like? Temptation sounds like this, like it's not a big deal. Like just do it once. Like God's holding out on you. Like God's got this stuff that he's hiding behind your back. So just like step into it. That's what temptation sounds like. So accusation is like, oh my gosh, like, look at your life. How could you? Look, look at what you've, the mess that you've made. Temptation is like, oh no, just like, come right in. Like, it's the moment you walk into the restaurant, and there's somebody there to greet you, to, to bring you somewhere, and that's, how the, that's the way that the evil one works. Like, he's happy to welcome you, and he wants you to sit down and get comfortable and listen to the stories he wants to tell you. So he will accuse and he will tempt and then he will also inflict. And infliction sounds like this, like this is the end. Like this thing is over. Like you're not coming back from this. Like there's no return. That's how dark it is. That's how difficult it is. That's how confusing it is. That's how sad it is. Like this thing's done, over. It's in the ground. Like when Jesus is in the tomb, like where's your Savior now? Where's your God now? Where are the miracles now? Where's the teaching now? Where's the crowds now? Like the Savior's in the ground. And so the evil one wants to inflict that pain. So he's going to accuse, he's going to tempt, and he's going to hurt you. Like that's the plan of the evil one. And the truth about followers of Jesus is that we are more flawed than we think we are, but we are also more loved than we feel. There's a little diagram that I made that I want to help you with this. So here's our perception. Like, we're a little flawed and a little loved. And can I just tell you, like, the truth of the matter is that we're deeply flawed people. But, oh, we are deeply loved. Like that green arrow at the bottom. Like, that's our reality. But because of the resurrection, because of what God has done, what he has made possible for us, so for the resurrection power, he's extended to us. This is our reality. Deeply flawed, but deeply loved. And then he, Paul goes on to verse 12, and he wants to talk about our struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Notice he says, our struggle like, it's a group project. Like, it's a group battle. It's a group fight. And so what's amazing about that is, like, wherever you are today, whatever you're battling, whatever you're struggling, like, you're not the only one. The evil one would love for you to believe that. But our struggle, Paul says, is what? He says that it's not against flesh and it's not against blood. Like, your struggle, can I tell you, it includes people, but it's not about people. Like, what you're battling, what you're fighting in life, it's, it includes other human beings, flesh and blood. But it's not flesh and blood. 
It's not people. It includes people. So it's not against your family. It's not. It's not your uncle, it's not your aunt, not your mom, not your dad, not your cousin, not your brother, not your sister, not your husband, not your wife. Like, they're not the enemy. Like, they're not the one that you should be battling. The evil one's happy to use them, but there's more going on than flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war. There's a spiritual battle. And the battle's not about a political party. I know it would shock you to hear that today. But it involves people, but it's not about people. Your struggle is not your supervisor at work, not your coworkers, not the person driving in front of you on 41st Street trying to get to Chick-fil-A. I saw some of you on Friday. That line is ridiculous, by the way. Our struggle, our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. But what is it against? It's against, he lists a couple things. Rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces that are working within people. That are working within places. And that are working within systems. And we are deceived, Paul says. When I believe that the battle that God has given me to fight, it's against you. And it's against her. And it's against them. No, it's against the evil one. Like, it's against injustice. It's against sin. It's against hardship. And then in verse 14, he says, Stand firm, then. Stand firm. And then he's going to list a bunch of armor that we can put on. But I want to talk about that stand firm thing. Now, this last summer, I had an opportunity to help coach baseball for little kids. And the league that I was helping coach is called a machine pitch. And so you use a real baseball, and there's a pitching machine. You put the ball on the deal, and you step on it, and you fling it back, and the ball starts flying at the 40-inch tall baseball player in the batter's box. And let me tell you about our first practice. Dave had never used a pitching machine before. So we all got to learn together. And that ball is flying at these little humans, and they're in the batter's box, and what do you think they did? They, like, got out. They stepped out of the box. I wouldn't want to get hit with the ball either. But as the season went on, we got better. They got a little bit more courageous. Coaches got a little bit more skilled. And we worked it out. But when I think about standing firm, that's like guarding and claiming what you have been given in and through and by the resurrection. And what happens with some of us is we get in a battle and what happens? We step out. We're like, no, no, it's all good. You can have it. And Paul's like, no, we need to be people who guard and claim what is ours. And some of you know this. Like we sit down at the dinner table, you do a good job of guarding and claiming what you have been given. And some of you think it's just like a group project. Turns out it's not a group project. Eat what's on your plate. That's another sermon for another day. But guard and claim what you have been given. And it brings this question, okay, what is it that we've been given? Like, what are the promises? The promises is that we don't have to live in the past anymore. We don't have to live in light of what we have suffered. 
Like, we can live a new way. We, have, we are called to a new way of life because we're why? Because we're resurrection people. Like, I don't know, like, the, the kingdom of God is like tomb people, just has a little bit of a different ring than resurrection people does. And as Pope John Paul has said famously, like, we are Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Like, that's who we are. And we are to live in light of that. So Paul says, stand firm, claim what has been given to you. And it's interesting, like, he's writing this, he's under house arrest in Rome. And he's writing this letter to this church. And he uses a metaphor that the Ephesians would have been used to seeing as they stand against the evil one. And so very common for, don't worry, it doesn't have any sound, Brock, don't get nervous. The Ephesians would have been very used to seeing people like this walking around. Because like Rome was in charge, Rome was on top, Rome was the authority. And Paul uses the uniform of Rome to help them understand what they have been given in Christ. So first, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm with the belt of truth. So what's the belt of truth? Belt of truth is what God has done in Jesus. Like what's happened? Like, like what God made possible in and through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Like that's, that's what ties us together. And I don't know if you've ever like left the house in the morning and you've needed a belt but you forgot a belt. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But I think it's possible that most of us in life have experienced that feeling. Like we're seven blocks away and we're like, oh no. It's a little worse than forgetting to put on deodorant. And what happens in life is that for some of us, what happens is we're not tied up with the belt of truth. We're not defined by what God has done in Jesus. We're not stepping into those things. And we end up building a life that's around what I have done, like what I have made possible. And I think God wants to breathe on the church today just to say, you know what ties your life together? It's what I've done in my son. It's what I have made possible. It's the resurrection life that you've been called into. So the belt of truth, and I know no one's going to forget their belt tomorrow, so you're welcome. Just a little reminder from your pastor. Number two, breastplate of righteousness. So this would have been something that they would have wore on their chests to cover vital organs. Seems important. Because there would have been these arrows that would have been flung toward them in battle. And when you think of arrows, like don't think of this little fiasco that we just have been through today earlier. This is your first week at church. You're like, wow, this is, this is sort of the vibe, okay? So just going to be honest. Not even trying to lie to anybody today. But we're not talking about like this kind of an arrow. Like in the ancient world, like the Romans, can I tell you, they used arrows that were like seven feet long. And they would light them on fire when they would shoot them at you. So you need a breastplate of righteousness to help protect your heart, to help protect your organs. And so the breastplate of righteousness is that God's power 
enables us to live in righteousness. So what's righteousness? It's this Bible word, like number 5,613. But righteousness is being in right relationship with God and others, and even being in right relationship with yourself and with the created order. And so you need this breastplate of righteousness. And then number three, he talks about shoes, because let's be honest, what would this world be like without shoes? Shoes of readiness. And this points to feet that are grounded in peace, living out the truth. Because why? Because you have one who wants to accuse you. And you have one that wants to tempt you. And you have one that wants to inflict you. So you need shoes of peace that are going to enable forward movement, living out what you know to be true. And then the shield of faith. And so Roman soldiers would have had not, I'm not talking about like a Captain America shield. No, I'm talking about like seems kind of small. But a shield that would have covered your entire body. And what was really cool about these shields is that you, they placed them together to s- deflect the arrows that were coming at them. And so there'd be a company of 50, 100, 300 of these Roman soldiers and all of those shields would fit together. And they would dip them in water. And so that when these fiery arrows were coming at them, it would deflect not just the arrow, but the fire connected with the arrow. Because sometimes it's not just the arrow, sometimes it's the fire. And this is how they destroyed places in the ancient world. Because the arrow would go into an, an area with their homes and burn everything to the ground. So the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the shield of faith. And the shield of faith allows us to live with confidence of the future, rather than looking back and focusing on the past and reliving past experiences. Like the shield of faith helps us lean forward, to look forward. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Like, let's hold unswervingly like standing our ground, guarding what we have been given. For he who promised is faithful. And then lastly, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is that God's deliverance in the past colors my current battle. Like the way that I have been delivered before actually impacts and colors the battle that I'm in right now. So I just want to ask you about the battle that you find yourself in right now in these days. Like you woke up this morning on Sunday, November 21st. Like what's unfolding in your heart? What's unfolding in your mind? Like what's the battle that you're facing? Verse 18, 
Paul continues to talk about armor. And he says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all of the saints. And if you grew up in church, the likelihood is high that there was a moment when you were a little kid and you had a Sunday school time and you got a little picture that had the armor of God on it and you got to color it. I remember getting to do that as a little kid. I got to color the helmet, got to color the breastplate, got to color all of these things. And as I was was studying this text this week and thinking about it, I'm realizing that when we do that with little kids, there's a part of the armor that we don't put on the coloring sheet. And it's in verse 18. That praying in the Spirit is actually part of the armor. And it's maybe the most neglected part of the armor. It's actually the way that we are clothed with the armor. It's how the armor finds its place. It's how the armor is useful. Like there's a story in the Old Testament and David's going to fight Goliath. Right? And so the king's given him all this armor and the armor doesn't fit. It's not working for David. He's like, no, just give me some stones and sling and I'm going to go do work on that guy in the valley of Allah. And prayer... Praying in the Spirit enables the armor to do its work. And he says to pray on all kinds of occasions. And so praying when things are falling apart. It's praying when you're on the top of the world. It's praying when you're exhausted. It's praying... When your face hurts from smiling. It's praying when you're overwhelmed. It's praying when you're angry at God. It's praying when you're in grief. It's praying when the hard work has paid off. It's praying at times of transition. It's praying when temptation is heavy. It's praying when you're celebrating another trip around the sun. It's praying when you're under attack. It's praying when the bitterness is growing. It's praying when you wake up and the darts are flying. Church, prayer is part of the armor. And it what holds the armor together and makes the armor useful in your life so that you can look at the evil one in the face and say, I will not live into that accusation you are throwing at me right now in this moment. I have been made more than what you are telling me I'm made for. Because yes, I'm deeply flawed, but you have no idea how deeply loved I am. How do you stand and say that? I think you stand and say that through prayer. Why? Because prayer is your experience of hearing that from Almighty God. And prayer is what helps you to stand against temptation because you know what's true. You know the story that you're supposed to be in. And it helps you when you're being inflicted. It helps you when you're experiencing pain because you have a perspective that goes beyond the current circumstance in the current moment. 
with all kinds of requests. So all kinds of occasions, all kinds of requests. So like asking God to speak. God, I need you to hear your voice. I need to, I need to know the next step you have for me. Praying for God to move. Praying for God to heal. Praying for God to reveal something in your life. Praying that God would hear you. That he would restore. That he would strengthen. And that he would give. Pray in the spirit. With all, on all kinds of occasions. With all kinds of requests. You know, I think, when I think about this passage and Paul landing the plane of Ephesians, like we won't have verse 10 without verse 18. What's verse 10? Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What's verse 18? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The way that we have verse 10 is by having verse 18. And I think if we could ask Lasha today, the Georgian power lifter, for those of you that forgot, oh yeah, if we could ask him, I think he would probably tell you that strength, and that strength didn't happen in the library. I'm pretty confident he would tell you the strength to lift 583 pounds above his head didn't come from the library it came from the gym it came from continual exercise of what he had been given and I think for some of us we've looked in the library for what we can only find in the gym are you with me we've talked about the helmet of salvation We've talked about the shoes of readiness, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. But we've forgotten about praying in the Spirit. On all kinds of occasions, with all kinds of requests. Invite the band up today as we close our time. And I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that when Paul closes this letter, to the Ephesian church. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. As if to say, like, if you've heard nothing else today, if you were dozing and you missed chapters 2 and 3 and 4 and maybe half of 5, Ephesian church, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And do you know what I think is interesting? It's what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, be strong for the Lord. Stand strong for him. And Paul doesn't say, be strong with the Lord. He says, be strong in and the implication is that we can find ourselves in all kinds of places. And the place that we are called to be 
is in him, in, in his promises, in the identity that he has given us, walking in his way, and walking in his truth, walking in his life, and yes, walking in his resurrection power. And so I will not pretend to know in the room what's unfolding in your life. I will not pretend to know the battle that you're in. I will not pretend to know what you're up against. But I do know the one who's coming after you with accusation, with temptation, and with affliction. And I also know that in my own personal battle, the way that I stand, it's not standing in other people's opinion of me, not standing in some kind of position that I have in the world. It's not standing in my own gifts or what I feel like I'm good at, but it's standing in him through prayer. All kinds of occasions with all kinds of requests. And so as we come to the end of our time in the book of Ephesians, I pray that you would do that. That you would stand in him, not with him, not for him, but in him. Because it's going to help you when the darts come. And the darts are coming way faster than we experienced earlier today. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. But what I want to do today I want the, the courage and the commitment to see prayer as part of the armor to become a more of a reality in my own life and in yours and in the life of this church so that we would stand firm in the places that God has called us. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. You are listening to the Invitation Church Podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605.